All righty, everybody. Good morning, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. It's a weekend before really a heavy dose of uh, drafts that are coming up in fantasy football leagues. I actually do have a draft in in a little while. First one, Wiz. I'll be doing a snake draft, and uh, I think it's very apropos. I think uh, one thing we wanted to tackle in this particular podcast was really honing in on uh, those first few rounds and kind of the decisions that have to be made in those snake drafts. And, uh, you know, we're trying to speak to everyone out there, and that's the uh, topic du jour. How are you doing today, Wiz? Yeah, doing well. I'm doing, uh, uh, yeah, just, you know, looking at some uh, some drafts after the unfortunate news about J.K. Dobbins and I just found something interesting. You know, I just, I'm always interested when something like that happens, like what the reaction is. And uh, I've been noticing um, this morning that in some of these mock drafts that um, Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, and Stephon Diggs are all going in the first round. I think people are getting very frustrated, frightened, and um, rattled about these running backs and J.K. Dobbins. Uh, you know, the, it's no official news yet, but uh, I saw this morning that the Ravens are fearing the worst that he could have served for the uh, season-ending injury yesterday, and uh, we'll have to wait for that. But, uh, yeah, I think people are coming around to the, uh, you know, the, the strategy that you've been talking about for a while now and not getting so caught up running backs yeah yeah, I you know and I have definitely been an advocate Uh, I've been kind of surprised over the last couple years Wiz because you know I mean granted I do more auction drafts and I do snake drafts though my kind of equally balanced this year uh, in the leagues that I'm doing Uh, but in the past I've kind of felt that you know running backs were getting reduced in terms of their uh, prominence and when it came to fantasy and then for some reason over the last couple of seasons that's kind of reverse course again I don't understand it uh, that's not the strategy that I'm personally going to uh, apply in my fantasy drafts. I told everyone on this podcast last year, I looked at all my leagues, the only premier running back that I actually had on any of my rosters was Alvin Kamara. You know, a guy that, when I say premier running back, someone that would be ranked around, you know, whatever, anywhere from five to, in the top five or ten. Uh, that was the only guy on all my rosters. Uh, I will continue to employ the strategy. Running backs get hurt. They're the most vulnerable position out there. Uh, you know, and I think that makes equally important to know what's what's going on in those depth charts behind some of the guys that are actually going to be, you know, expected to lead in touches. But um, I'm of the belief that there is way too much emphasis in these drafts, uh, both auction and snake drafts being put in the running back. And I will continue to apply the same strategies as I move forward uh, in this coming season. And, I, I, you know, of course, it's very unfortunate news. And, and for people who have drafted already, it really stinks. Uh, we've tried to tell people, and I know sometimes it's challenging uh, because of time and getting people together. But it's very difficult to, to do drafts, you know, kind of somewhere in the middle of August. I know kids are going back to college and, and things like that, so it complicates a lot. But the closer that you can start a draft to the season, the better off you're going to be. Uh, but these injuries are going to keep coming. They're going to come at every position. I'm not to say that tight ends and quarterbacks and, and wide receivers aren't going to get hurt. But I think there's a distinct vulnerability at the, at the running back position. And I'm hoping the news for uh, you know Dobbins comes back because I had high expectations for him uh, for the coming season. But there's going to be a lot of impact uh, on that football team in Baltimore and kind of how they carry things out. You know, a player that we talked about and fought about a couple of years ago, Justice Hill. Maybe he gets a little bit more attention this year. I do want to point out, too, is uh, with Baltimore, 
And I don't care what anybody says uh, going into these drafts. I, I am going to be keeping a very close eye at the end of my drafts on Devin DuVernay. I don't see the other guys getting on the field between Bateman, Marquise Brown still dealing with a hamstring injury. You know I don't trust Sammy Watkins. DuVernay had a bunch of catches again yesterday. A guy to keep in mind for your drafts. Yeah, I mean, you know, at some point this is, has to, you know, affect Lamar Jackson's draft status. Um no, no timetable for Marquise Brown. Uh, procedure for Bateman. Um, yeah, I mean, Duvernay looks like it's Sammy Watkins. Look like they're going to have to have a lot of playing time, at least early on in the season. And in terms of the running back, I mean, yeah, I mean, Gus Edwards is a good runner. He, he, I don't think anyone believed that he's you know jk dobbins but he's a good player the problem is he's not nearly the elite the the receiver out of the backfield that jk dobbins is so um this is there's a lot of hits that lamar jackson is taking uh before the season starts uh at receivers so uh and and the passing game so we'll have to see how that plays out so, but, but but I do think get- I, I do want to say was I think your point's quite interesting that you have already seen a little bit of a shift as a result of this. You know that's a mental shift, right? That's you know you know you see a running back like that go down. That takes a lot to kind of start moving the pl- all those players that you kind of spoke about into the first round. So um, yeah, sorry to interrupt you there, but yeah, I, I no think- no I, what, what I'm you know it's, it's no it's, you're right, and I think is you know what that could mean is if you were weren't quite sure about a wide receiver that is in the top five or top 10 at the position versus a running back that is kind of like in that same grouping or, you know, where you were kind of like leaning towards running back. I think this could be the tiebreaker that will, you know, go to wide receiver because these injuries just, you know, people are having, uh, the same thing, you know, the, the the same nightmare about last year with all of those running backs and 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 very few of them um, making it through the season or playing 16 games or even you know coming close to filling up the stats that uh, people had projected them for. So we we can get a little bit more specific with these uh, with these with these picks. So we're going to go, we're going to try and parse through the first few rounds of a snake draft, what it's looking like. And you know what, you know, we're not going to go player by player who we prefer this guy or that guy. It's just an overall analysis of it. So look, in, 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 this is basically for 12 teams, standard league drafts, snake drafts. And with the first pick, we're just going to assume Christian McCaffrey is going to be taken. So let's take this, you know, first part of the round, the middle part of the round, and the end of the round. So yeah, and, and, I, and, and I just want to do also state, Wiz, like when you go into these drafts, again, super important to know exactly the specifics of your league and the rules applying. Like I said, we're going to, like you just said, we're going to be doing this for a standard 12-team league. Uh, we're going to assume PPR, some form of PPR, half PPR uh, at this juncture. But for the sake of, the, of this podcast, we're going to assume PPR. Um, but, you know, you do have to make sure there are some leagues that give six points for a touchdown pass as opposed to four, which is most. If that's if that's what the case, then needs, there needs to be another change in that. But that's not what we're doing on this podcast. We're going to stick to kind of a standard format, uh, Wiz, for this one. So, first round, we're going to assume Christian McCaffrey's uh, pick, you know, round one, pick one. 
So let's let's just break this down in terms of the early part of the round. Let's go picks two, three, and four. My question to you is, in your view, is this clearly a preference of running backs, the Alvin Kamaras, the Dalvin Cooks, the Derrick Henrys, the Saquon Barkleys, Ezekiel Elliotts, or even as early as picks two, three, and four are the pass catchers of Devontae Adams, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, are you consider them? Are you considering, or should they be considered, even in that early part of round one? So the the answer to your question is: Do I think they should be? Yes, I do. I do think they should be. Uh, but as a, as a matter of course, I don't think that's the way things are going to play out. I think people will stick to this kind of run, especially in those first three to five picks. They will stick to the running backs. They will. It'll be based on people's biases coming in. Uh, we all have them in terms of determining what players we like and we don't like and how they can thrive uh, in this particular season, uh, given the dynamics of each and every one of their situations and teams. Uh, but I think for this, in my eyes, um, I think when the decision, where the, where the rubber meets the road for that decision, for the players that you're talking about, I actually think that'll start around pick five or six in the first round. I don't believe that'll start at the top of the drafts. Okay, so so when we're talking about picks two, three, and four, early part of the round, you feel that most people are going to just use personal preference, who they like, uh, Kamara, Cook, Saquon Barkley, who people feel if he's healthy, he could be uh, you know uh, as good as anybody, and, and that's true. Elliot and Henry, you think those are going to be the players most likely in draft that are going to be considered early. Certainly when you get into the middle of round one, but picks five, six, seven, eight, then it becomes a little bit more difficult and it's not going to be just running back. So when you're looking at picks five, six, seven, eight, how are you, how are you looking at the running backs that are, that are left over that weren't picked in picks two, three, four versus Devontae Adams and let's use Travis Kelsey as an example. What are you, how are you looking at that? The running backs that haven't been picked that are considered elite still versus the two top pass catchers on draft boards. Yeah, so I, I do think it's very surprising to see someone like Kelsey, because this is, by historical standards, not normal to see a tight end go this early. Uh, but you cannot deny the production that's come from him uh, and the difference maker that he is. He's just as big a difference maker as an elite wide receiver in terms of production. Uh, so it's very understandable. And, and there's a clear uh, differentiation between him and, and most of the rest of the tight end position. So it's understandable that, that where he's kind of come in, uh, you know, encroached on uh, the first round the way he has. Um, you know, for me, the way I'm thinking about it, there's probably amongst those eight or nine top running backs, uh, I, I probably would definitely look at three of them uh, in, in that kind of middle of the round. Uh, I don't like every one of them for different reasons, uh, but I think there'll be a lot of juggling. For, for someone like myself, I think there'll be a lot of juggling back and forth. And again, like you, sometimes you may have to adjust on the fly because, as you mentioned, I may be dead wrong about the first four or five picks. We could see something else happen, and then I may have to adjust if I'm in the middle of a round uh, based on what happens before me. But the likelihood that I'm going to be choosing between maybe one or two of those running backs that I really do like this year that slip down to that position or between one of the elite receivers or the tight end in Kelsey. Uh, that's, that, that's what I think people are going to be dealing with when it comes to that middle of the round, those middle picks. 
And I, I've noticed, as far as the pass catches are concerned, that Devontae Adams has moved ahead of everybody. And I, I, I think that's reasonable because if you're comparing to Devontae Adams versus the other two elite pass catchers on all draft boards, is Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. And the reason why Devontae Adams has moved up is, well, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill have to contend with each other while it's all Devontae Adams. He is by miles ahead of everybody else on the pecking order in terms of getting the ball thrown to while 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 Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey have the great Pat Mahomes throwing them the ball, it's not like you know there's you know Aaron Rodgers is by any means a slouch and all the targets going to Adams. So let me just ask you specifically about those three elite pass catchers. How do you view them? Do you see and understand why Adams is ahead of those other two? Because those two, while as great they are they still have to contend with each other in terms of target share. Yeah, no, it, it makes it, it makes definitive sense. I think you could make the argument based on what you're saying and the parameters that you're giving me that, that Stefan Diggs has to enter that, and you mentioned him already, has to enter that equation because I think he kind of takes on, uh, given his relationship after just one season with Josh Allen, and I think you could just see that kind of extend a, a lot more into this season as they've become even more comfortable with one another, both on and off the field, by the way. Um, and, I, and I think it's something to consider the fact that Kelsey and, and Hill will kind of move off of one another at times. And I think it could be said, too, that Hill has been a little bit more injury prone than the average receiver. Uh, that's something that's worth mentioning. But I think Stefan Diggs has to enter the equation here in terms of how much volume the player is going to see and given that Buffalo is a pass first team. Yeah, there's no question, which you know leads us to the end of round one, where you now you're looking at the again the pass catches that are left over that haven't been taken yet. Talking about Adams, Hill, Kelsey, and Diggs versus the running backs. I'm not going to call them by no means. Am I going to call Austin Eckler, Aaron Jones, Jonathan Taylor? Uh, Antonio Gibson, I'm not going to call them second tier because those guys could put up as good numbers as the, the, the guys that most people are drafting earlier than them. But how are you looking at that, those running backs, um, as compared to those elite pass catchers uh, in, in, if you're drafting at the end of round one? Yeah, so, you know, again, it's going to, for me, my choice is going to be between, like I said, I've got a list of players who I really love at the position. Uh, I'll use a guy like Austin Eckler because it is a player I love. I realize he's not a conventional running back. Uh, and I think conversely, I'll give you a flip side who's almost the antithesis of, of who Austin Eckler is in fantasy, and that's Nick Chubb. So I look at those two players. They're very different skill sets in terms of what they're doing on the field, who's running the ball in the, in the red zone, like a Nick Chubb, as opposed to Eckler, who's not. Eckler's catching the ball probably in the magnitude of something if he stays on the field all year, 70 to 85 times, whereas Chubb's probably going to only have 25 catches. But I just do love both of those players and what they bring to the game. So it'll be an interesting choice for someone like myself at the end of, back end of round one where Diggs will be available, Chubb will be available, and so will Eckler. And I'm definitely, if that's where I am, if I'm drafting there, I'm going to have a difficult decision to make because those are players I'm going to be choosing from. And I think they all have compelling cases uh, for, for draft choices around that time in the, dra- in the first round. If, if you're in a draft, snake draft, and you have an end of the round one, 
pick round 10, or pick 10, pick 11, maybe even pick nine. And you took a receiver, Tyree Kill, for example. Um, and I'm just, you know, because they're just going over different things. And like I talked about, you have to do these things in different ways. So I'm just going to go over this. So if you take a Tyree Kill with the first pick, and then it comes around, and Diggs is there. And you just feel like you could have such an advantage of wide receiver. You're seeing what's going on with these running backs. Would you fault anyone if they wanted to go and have, like, I guess a basic zero running back strategy? I don't mean zero running back as, let me just explain the term. It doesn't mean that you're not going to draft any running backs. It means that for the first part of your draft, while everyone else is going to zig, you're going to zag. Would you would you have an issue if somebody took a Tyree Kill and then with their pick early in the second round came back and took a Diggs and they felt they have two of the top three receivers in the league and then they're going to worry about the running back position afterwards? Or do you feel like you took a receiver and I'm just going to take the best available running back? Yeah, so I, I think you, you're teeing it up for me, quite frankly. Um, if I feel like I can walk out there with, and, and I maybe throw even Hopkins or Ridley into that uh, situation as well, a bunch of those players, but I think there's probably a very good chance, giving my kind of idea around these drafts and what I think about the running position, uh, that in a lot of these drafts, and I've been doing tons of simulated drafts based on positions that I am. So I have pick five in a draft. That's a that's a that's a ten team league. Uh, I have pick twelve. Uh, sorry, I, I have pick five, and I have pick ten in a ten team draft. I have pick five in a five team draft. I have pick twelve in a twelve team draft. Those are that's kind of where I am right now. Um, but I'm definitely not afraid, and I have no no fear of taking two of the most outstanding receivers in the game and worrying about the running back in the next two rounds. I think that's, I think that's sound advice. And that's something that I, I talked about at length. Try different things, get prepared for your draft, see what it looks like, see what your t- team ends up with. And I have no problem, honestly, if somebody wanted to start off their draft with receiver with receiver, everyone else is going running back, running back. You're going to get, great value and then by picking receiver receiver you may trigger the rest of your the, the, the you know the round to be pick receivers so you know you you can kind of like in a way control the draft how it's going uh by doing something like that so i i agree with that i think it's something to be looked at um you just so uh, i i do want to touch about one thing because i i was going to tackle one thing that you just mentioned at some point in this podcast and I think we've both seen this before in in drafts where there can be a cascade effect of just taking a player at an odd position or whatever, or there could be a run at a particular position. We've seen this happen many times before. It's happened at every single position where it's almost like you can you can actually change the 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 shape and the psychology of a draft if you do something that's a little bit more out of the ordinary. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, definitely. I'm, you know, I'm looking at that as well. I, I, I've been in, in, you know, I've had three already draft orders picked for me and I had the same number round pick. I mean, just about the same number pick four in one pick four in another one. And then the one where you have picked five, I have picked six. So I'm picking 
right after you in the odd rounds and right before you in the even rounds. So that, that should be interesting. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with that. And to try and change the dynamic of a draft with a, with a pick that's maybe outside the box or uh, something along those lines. So I, I, I agree with that. Let me ask so you this, let me ask you this, Wizzo. Like when you yeah. look at, when you look at each of the positions and, and I, and I think we, both would be pretty comfortable in saying that we like the depth in almost every one of these positions. We've talked about that pretty, pretty frequently during this podcast. Um, when I look at like, you know, if we're, we're looking at say four rounds here for this particular pod, podcast when we analyze it, but it seems pretty comfortable in most of these drafts is where you get a kind of an equal balance, not exactly where they're taken, but kind of an equal balance between. So if we're talking about 12, uh, four, first four rounds of a draft, uh, 12 teams in a draft, 48 picks, kind of like an equal number of running backs and receivers taken. You sprinkle in a few quarterbacks and you sprinkle in uh, a few of the tight ends. Would you agree that's kind of how most of these drafts are kind of shaken out in your eyes? Yeah, and in terms of the first four rounds, yes. But what I think varies is when, when the Darren Wallers and the George Kittles get taken when the Pat Mahomes, Josh Allens, Kyler Murray get taken. That, that says the other stuff is kind of a personal preference thing, but I've seen wide range of differences as far as the quarterback and the tight end goes. So I think that's, that's what makes it interesting. Um, so, so, like, you know, moving on a little bit, now we're, like, headed in the second round, and if that injury – to J.K. Dobbins comes to, you know, let me see, I'm sure J.K. Dobbins likely out for the season. I'm just reading Adam Schefter reporting that he's likely out for the year. So that's very sad news for the Ravens and anybody else who, um, and J.K. Dobbins and anyone else who has drafted him. But a running team that now is, becomes the clear number one guy just, you know, we didn't know we were going to talk about this, but let's we'll just do it as this is happening here. How far up the boards does that move Gus Edwards? I mean, let, let me phrase it a different way. Does that move Gus Edwards in the same territory where J.K. Dobbins was being drafted, which is basically end of round two, early round three? Would you say he just, you know, just pencil him in that spot? Oh, not as much, or he's not nearly the same player. I'm not even considering him in the first four rounds. No, no, I, 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 I know there's some concerns that he's he, he's he's definitely not going to catch the ball with the same frequency, and I, and I think this makes interesting times again for a player like Justice Hill. Uh, or, or the other kid they have there, Tavon Williams, right? So l- l- let's see how that kind of shakes out. Uh, we'll hear a lot more from from the coaches, and you know, as we head into the as we head into the next week or so, uh, how they see things working out. But yeah, I if, if I look at players like a David Montgomery, who's not going to catch as many footballs in my eyes this year, I, I maybe throw Chris Carson into that group, who who has a little bit different ability. Um, I guess someone like Jacobs and James Robinson, you know, along those lines. I, I think Gus Edwards has to be put in and thrust into that group. I really do. And Liz, look, Dobbins scored a lot of touchdowns. I still think they're going to try to protect at times when they can uh, Lamar Jackson. But I do think you have to elevate Gus Edwards, you know, definitively in your drafts, probably around the same places as J.K. Dobbins was going in drafts. Yes. Um, 
Yeah, I, yeah, I, I disagree with that. I kind of like kind of look at the. I want to study that a little bit more. See if the Ravens do anything uh, with their roster as it gets close to the season. Um, so we'll definitely look at that. So let me let me talk about round two. Um, round two, do you? It, it just seems to me round two is is more laden with the running backs, in the sense that I think in people's you know the way people are viewing this is after those top three receivers or off the board kind of I'm going to put Calvin Ridley like kind of near that group but it just seems to be the Antonio Gibsons the Nick Chubbs the Joe Mixons um, Clyde Edwards Alaire Najee Harris is getting a lot of steam and, and by the way not just Calvin Ridley DeAndre Hopkins as well um, Miles Sanders so do you view that as kind of similar to the elite running backs versus Adams, Kelsey, and Hill, where it's kind of like a personal preference of Joe Mixon versus a, a, a DeAndre Hopkins, or do you view as first or second round, you need to kind of contemplate what you did in the first round, or are you still looking at it as having an edge in one position over the other where you feel strong you know, it should be personal preference, or do you view it as you got to play off what you did in the first pick? Yeah, no, I think it's a combination, actually, because because the way I look at it, it it's it's going to be based on kind of what goes on around you as well, and maybe it comes down to the best available player in your eyes. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, in the event that maybe there is a run at receiver that you didn't anticipate, and and it's forced, uh, and, and it forces down a running back who you liked. Uh, you mentioned Chubb, for example. Maybe somebody like Chubb sneaks down to me somewhere in the middle of the second round, even though I picked the, one of those elite receivers, uh, you know, early in the in the in the in the first round, right? Uh, if Nick Chubb happens to fall, yeah, awesome. That that would be great, and that's the player I would kind of choose at that point in time because it's a running back that I really like, and 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 my bias is, uh, you know, procure the best talent that you can, and I feel Nick Chubb kind of slots into that for me, uh, you know beauty in the eye of the beholder, if you will. So I, I'm, I'm not necessarily going to be preordained to anything, um, but I do think, you know, we're going to see, I think the, the more I sit here and think uh, to the point that you raised here, what happened with Dobbins, I, I think the dynamics of some of these snake drafts are going to be completely different than expectations were uh, just, about, just about 24 hours ago. I want to ask you about Darren Waller. When you when you look at Darren Waller and consider Darren Waller in a draft, what is which of these things? Because they're all factors, but tell me which of these people should consider the most, or what they should be thinking about. Should it be in comparison to where he's where he still remains as to where Travis Kelsey was taken? Should it be considered if George Kittle is on the board? Should it be considered how much you like the player? Should it be considered what the rest of your draft looks like? If it's, you know, now we're heading in round three, we're kind of, this is Darren Waller territory. So when you look at Darren Waller, how much are you weighing the ability and how much you love the player, which we both do, versus those other factors which are important in a draft as to where Kelsey was taken? Is George Kittle still there? A guy that kind of like goes hand in hand with Waller. When you're viewing a player like Waller, and you could put Kittle in this too. Let's let's put Waller and Kittle as a couple of entry here. How much are you weighing the talent and how much you love the player 
versus those other things. So, so I love both players, but but I, I, me personally, I rank Waller ahead of Kittle, and and the sole reason why I do that is competition at targets. When I look at the makeup of the receiving core and the running backs for the Las Vegas Raiders. And kind of the direction that the team headed last year where he became much more of a red zone look where in, in the previous season in 2019, that wasn't the case. I just Waller has less competition for targets uh, than Kittle does. Kittle's got two very good receivers with him. Uh, we know this could be potential quarterback change there as well, depending on what happens at the start of the season. I think Derek Carr is very comfortable uh, with Darren Waller. And, you know, he is the main target there at, at, the, at the receiver position slash tight end position in terms of who's going to be the head honcho in terms of targets. So, so for me, um, it's going to be very hard if Darren Waller's sitting kind of at the end of the second round and that's where I am and he hasn't been chosen yet to kind of restrain myself from taking him or taking a chance on not taking him just at that point and hoping that he's coming back on the way back, I can get him. But, you know, I think Waller, because he doesn't have that competition of targets because the talent around him isn't the same, that kind of elevates him in my eyes. I've seen a strategy and I've looked at it and I've studied it and I've tried it. And if nothing else, it's very, very interesting. While we talked about, wraparounds kind of at round one, round two, where we talked about um, Tyree Kill and Stefan Diggs, and we both agreed that we would have no problem with that in an interesting way. What would you think about drafting Travis Kelsey and then taking Darren Waller as your flex, kind of hoarding the tight end position, a position that it's not so much and by the way, Darren Waller could be better or as good as anybody else's flex, but you are crushing other teams at the tight end spot by taking both players. Have you ever thought, considered that strategy, and what do you overall think about that strategy? Uh, first of all, I love the strategy, and if you would ask me to rank in my eyes where da- if Darren Waller and Tra- Travis Kelsey were wide receivers – do I think both of them would rank inside the top 15? My answer would be definitively yes. Uh, and if you look statistically, they were able to perform at that level. They're both significant targets in the red zone. Uh, they're they're you know, arguably number one targets of each of the quarterbacks. Um, but you know, Obviously, Tyree Kill is also in Kansas City, so that's a little bit different. But also Patrick Mahomes and Derek Carr are also different, different uh, quarterbacks as well. So... So yeah, I mean, certainly you would you would cause chaos in your drafts. Where I think, I, actually, if that was faced with someone doing that, and, and and it's a great question, I think you would get some people just throwing their hands up, saying, "Screw the tight end, I'm just going to focus on another position here." Uh, that, that's what I think some people would do because I just don't think, or or you could see a very quick run uh, for Kittle. Uh, Andrews, Hawkinson, Pitts, kind of kind of guys, and then the rest of the league is just going to be like, "Oh well, you know, tight end." Tight end, I'm just going to deal with it as it comes, and I'm going to be stronger in another position. So it certainly would throw a curveball to leagues. I think it's it's not a crazy strategy because I think both players, like I said, if you listed them as receivers and you have the ability to have a flex player, they're going to rank in the top 15 if they were if, if they were considered a receiver. And, and what's interesting is, while in, 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 in theory, the Waller-Kelsey is similar to Hill-Diggs, but it could be very, very different. And let me explain how. If you're picking 
if you have the ninth overall pick in a draft, the tenth overall pick, you may very well have that scenario. You take Hill, boom, it comes round two, round two, you decide to take Diggs. The other situation is you draft Kelsey, and then people are going crazy with running backs, taking these second-tier wide receivers, sprinkling a few quarterbacks, and then all of a sudden you're in like the late third round, and you're saying, Darren Wallace should not be here. There's no way he should be here. So it's kind of like instead of boom, boom with Hill and, and Diggs, you're just taking those players. One is you're taking Kelsey, and then the other one is from a value standpoint, you're taking Waller. I, I just don't think that, that strategy can be faulted. Oh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it can. I really don't. I, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I just I, think I, it's I, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree with you. Very interesting. Hoarding, hoarding tight ends. I think that that's tremendous. So let's kind of like get to uh, where we're getting to these receivers, and uh, we're talking about like round, you know, kind of like sprinkled all through round three. And I'm just looking at these receivers, and you just view this as like kind of a personal preference of which guys, because these are all very, very good receivers. I think if you ask 10 different people, they could rank them in a different way. I'm talking about the Allen Robinsons, the Terry McLaurins, the C.D. Lambs, Robert Woods, uh, Keenan Allen, Justin Jefferson, A.J. Brown, uh, you know, Tampa Bay receivers, Evans and Godwin, and maybe even Thielen in that mix, Super Cup. Tyler Lockett, Deontay Johnson. When it comes to these receivers, after the Diggs and the Hill and the Hopkins and the Calvin Ridley's are gone, do you just view this as round three where you you know these receivers are going? It's kind of just how you you know personal preference. Personal preference, a hundred percent. And I think you know just I know we're not talking about auction drafts here, but in some auction drafts, kind of given the, the names that you just dropped to me, uh, you know, there's a chance that you're going to get one of those guys at a very cheap price. And, and the same here, where is on personal preference, if, you know, let's say everybody in the league doesn't consider Robert Woods to be as elite as some of the other names that you mentioned, and the chances that he drops, to, you know, to the very late third round or early fourth round, you know, that's something that will, will happen depending on, on how people view uh, the talent out there. And I think what you just spoke of really highlights, quite frankly, how deep, the wide receiver position is and how talented it is. The names that you mentioned, you know, great players, but they're going to go somewhere below the top 30 picks or the top 30 picks in, in all of fantasy. So, so you're going to have some really great choices and some very talented players, even, in, even at the latter stage of the third round, getting into the fourth round. And then the last thing is going to kind of be this, this fourth round strategy. And I find this interesting because this is kind of the strategy. This is kind of the area where you're, you're looking at, you know, maybe a guy that you could put in your flex spot, or it could, in theory, if you've done running back, running back, considering your third running back because you're not worried about the receivers and you feel like we just talked about the receivers are deep. So here's my question when you're considering the Josh Jacobs, the Daryl Hendersons, the Miles Gaskins, uh, the Mike Davises, those players, those kind of players, as a good, solid flex spot, and there's no question about it, versus 
Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, the quarterback position, people really aren't starting to think about that until a lot of times round five. So when you're looking at that, where you feel, okay, this is the last group of starting running backs. If I don't pick a starting running back here, I'm just going to have to either go with another receiver at my flex, or it's going to be a real kind of a desperation flex at, at the running back spot. So when you look at these group, a handful of guys, round four, the last available starting running back versus Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, how are you viewing that? I'm taking the quarterback. The, the you way- that quarterback. You, you, you're not a good guy to ask this question to. I've seen you take Pat Mahomes in, in the first round when, you know, uh, everyone else is like, Say and take them in round three or four, or whatever. So no, but all, all kidding aside, you, you it, this is a no-brainer for you. Uh, what happens if Mahomes? Somebody else had the same strategy, and now it's not Pat Mahomes; it's Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. Still the same thought process. Still the same thought process. And I'm giving you a reason behind the thought process. One, I don't think Josh like to just will use Josh Jacobs' name, and not because I'm not particularly high on the player, and but he's a talented guy, right? So I'm not going to knock him, but we could put somebody else in there. But whoever, I don't think Josh Jacobs is going to make. Make enough of a difference on a week-to-week basis where he kind of dis- distinguishes himself so far above the rest of the group on a week-to-week basis, whereas I feel those quarterbacks with the performances and the kind of the setups that they have in their offenses, I think they can win you seven or eight games a year because they're so much better at what they do than the other quarterbacks where they can just exponentially blow up six to seven weeks during the season. Yeah, they can have a few ho-hum weeks too, but they'll make a significant difference. For me, I'm going with that firepower quarterback before I'm taking a guy who I don't think is going to do enough for me, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, uh, when it comes to winning a fantasy game. And I agree with that. And uh, look, it, it, this is, you know, we, we've gone through and talked, you know, about, about you know, the first four rounds of the draft. Let me, let me just kind of like from my, at least from, from my side end with this. And then of course, any thoughts or anything else you wanted to add, uh, you, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll do that. Is that, don't be mechanical once these come to these drafts. Don't do what everyone else is doing. Find out your draft order, even if it's a day or two before. Do a bunch of mock drafts and go about it. I said this before in different ways. Go about it where you're picking running back, running back. Try receiver, receiver. Do something different. Take a Pat Mahomes early. Then, you know, write down all of the teams, look it over, and see which team that you you did the best with which strategy works for you don't be myopic with your thinking don't be so close-minded and feel like oh everyone's taking one no no when everyone else zigs that's time for you to zag um so you know have fun with it don't just follow the leader with these things try and be a trendsetter if you will during the draft and, uh, and, you know, hopefully that we've helped people with this in terms of, I believe, more than talking about specific players is opening people up to different strategies and different thinking. I think that's the difference between someone that's good and somebody that's elite at this is, again, be open to trying things. And, uh, and and don't do what everyone else is doing and have fun with it. And uh, again, I can't, I can't say it enough. Um, if you, if you go into these drafts, 
try different things and look at these mock drafts and do what you feel is the best for you and not what other people are suggesting you do at the spot you pick. So uh, th- that that would be my advice. And I feel, you know, we, we're, we're helping people, and I hope we are. I know that you and I get a lot of good feedback from this. And uh, that's the, if you're going to take anything from me with all of these podcasts, this is it. Um, be versatile and be diverse with your thinking as the drafts uh, come upon you. Yeah, look, I can't say it any better, so I'm not going to really add add anything to it, except, you know, I think you have to be flexible, and sometimes things don't go according to plan, so you need to be nimble in the event that that happens. But I think, Wiz, you you articulated extremely well, uh, so I really don't have to add anything upon that. I'm I'm excited for draft time, uh, excited to help people out. I've had a few people reaching out, you know, I I have the fifth pick here, what would you do, but I got the exact scenario yesterday. Uh, my buddy Andrew reached out to me and I, and I gave him that advice. So yeah, we, we love doing this and I, you know, we're not going to be right all the time either. Uh, we, we do the best that we can. Uh, last year, like I said, the strategy of not really going high at running back was one that worked out well for me. I was able to win three of the six leagues I was in uh, because I wasn't dealt those blows that some of those guys had to deal with uh, losing those elite talents at running back. And, and again, it's not to say that quarterbacks and receivers can't get hurt too. But uh, Wiz, I think you put it well. Um, these are fun times. Enjoy it. It's good times. Hopefully you're getting together with some of your folks in your leagues, if it's family leagues or friends leagues or work colleague leagues it's all fun stuff um but stay safe everybody guru and Wiz fantasy football podcast hope you enjoyed this one i definitely enjoyed it Wiz, excellent work as always uh guru and Wiz can be found on soundcloud spotify and apple Podcasts. subscribe we got so much stuff coming to you as we head into next week as well and of course during the season we've got a plethora of information coming your way so everybody have a good rest of the weekend Wiz, you have a good one too and uh chat next week You got it.